The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are going to be reviewing um, Robert Zemeckis' The Polar Express, uh, Corey's first time ever seeing this movie, a film that is divisive to say the least, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, We're also going to talk about what's coming out on home video and VOD on Tuesday, December 12th 2017 and what's coming out in theaters 2012 uh 17 not 2012 um geez december 15th um we're a day early recording so apparently i am completely thrown off by that i have no idea for sure uh cory how you doing (laughs) uh it's okay it snowed here not a whole lot but still not happy about it it's supposed to supposed to hit the 30s this weekend down here so i'm pretty excited what? it's in the 20s here yeah it was like that's crazy but <laughs> yeah but 30s there is nuts yes but i i enjoy the uh the cold um even though i'll complain when i'm actually cold but i'll be happy that it's not hot for a change so it's like we're getting old and it's like oh my hips hurt i'm kidding <laughs> if i fall anymore my hips are gonna hurt but geez you fell I fell three times last winter. It it was the oh. worst winter in like thirty something years. I thought yeah. you just meant like in general, like you were just like somewhere in no. hell or something. But no, okay, um, not generally that clumsy. Have you got to see any movies since the last time we? <gasps> this is so exciting because I can say that I have. Ah. Okay, so, um, I saw yesterday three billboards. Outside Ebbing, Missouri, or Missouri, in case you know anyone from Missouri, um, which was fantastic. And I rewatched I Am Sam. Because I've been wanting to watch it for a while again. Um, do you know that movie? I know it. I do not. Uh, I've not seen it, though. I just love it so much. Dakota Fanning and Sean Penn, and I'm forgetting everyone that's in that movie right now Laura Dern. Um, uh, Diane Weist, I think I might be getting them mixed up, but, um, I just love it. And the soundtrack is like Beatles songs that are being covered by other bands and musicians like Ben Folds does a cover and Eddie Vedder does a cover and just super good. Um, and then I, wa- yeah, that's what I watched besides what we've talked about on other podcasts. There you go. Um, I went and saw, uh, I think, well, I'm trying to, no, Bad Mom's Christmas, I saw after we recorded, right? I think I talked about it on Top 5, but I don't think I talked about it on Movie Club. Um, fine, it's fine. It's it's nothing great. Um, but I did watch a couple of other movies this week. Um, a classic, one that you love and I've been trying to get to for about two years now, Harold and Maude. Um I really liked Harold and Maude a whole lot. Uh, it, it's disturbing in a lot of ways, but in so many ways it's great. The The performances are amazing. Um, 
Yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not writing a review on it because I don't know that I can add anything to the uh, this kind of iconic film. Um, but I, I'm glad I finally watched it. It's one that um, I I could definitely see you coming back to and rewatching because it was enjoyable. Uh, he, he's so devious. Um, like yeah, he's in, like that was my kid naughty. I would make him like live out in the like mother-in-law apartment or something. Yeah, uh, definitely crazy. Um, then the movie that was the, I think the big surprise for the week was a new film that we talked about on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Came out on home video, I think, two weeks <gasps> prior, and that's uh, Better yes. Watch Out. Um, oh, I did look at Redbox for that tonight, and it was out. Well, that's a good sign, because it needs to yes. be seen, and it's a film that um, it, I didn't hear about until recently, and it seems like now I'm hearing about it more and more. Um, it's got the two kids from The Visit. Uh, if you saw M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit from a few years back, um, I'm pulling their names up. Olivia Dejong, I'm sure I said that wrong. Levi Miller, Ed Oxenbold. Um, it has, uh, I also know how to say the dude's name that was in Stranger Things Season 2. It's Decree Montgomery. I think it's Decree. I'm not really sure how you say his name. I think so. Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen, um, are all in the film. It's directed by Chris Peckover. Uh, it is fantastic. It's a horror, uh, horror, Christmas horror film with definitely some comedic elements. IMDb does not list it as a comedy. It listed as a horror thriller, and I think those are applicable. Um, I don't want to compare it to Scream, but there's definitely, I would say it's got some of the same, you know, like how Scream introduces humor, but it's ultimately a horror film, uh, yeah. a thriller. I'd say it's in that same vein. It's not a horror comedy like Housebound where it's like pure comedy, but there is definitely moments where you will find yourself laughing. Uh, I thought the performances were fantastic. And the story, though, is so great. Like, the screenplay is fan- is just awesome. And um, we will be uh, getting to speak with the director, Chris Peckover, on Top 5 Movies on December the, the episode we record on December 17th, which will be coming out on December 21st um, for your listening enjoyment. So uh, if you haven't seen Better Watch Out, we highly I highly recommend it. Um, I, I rented it from Redbox that Corey just mentioned, but I immediately went and bought it on Vudu, like almost within 20 minutes of finishing the movie because I was like, yep, I'm going to watch this every Christmas. Uh, so, And I'll probably watch it again before this Christmas is over because I want to show my daughter. But um, it is It's definitely, I'm going to confirm, I'm pretty sure it's an R-rated film. Uh, yeah, it is definitely R, um, mainly for, for conversations uh, and... Some visuals, but for the most part, the uh, the violence and stuff is done well enough where where you could let a kid watch it and it not be too bad. And my my kid's thirteen. I got still kind of adjusting to what's okay for her to see, uh, and like that. I let my high school students watch movies. Like we watched Reservoir Dogs last year um, oh. in my film one class, and I'm like, well, no those caution kids to the wind. Are only two years older than my not not my daughter, my students. Uh, which that well, they have permission slips. I want to point that out, but. Um, you know, Tarantino is an iconic filmmaker. We were studying auteur filmmakers, and so he was. We were debating whether or not he is considered an auteur or a postmodern filmmaker. And so, seeing one of his films was a necessity. And while that one's not entirely tame, it's more tame than some of his other films. Uh, it is almost exclusively language, um, and even like the most violent thing in Reservoir Dogs is done off screen when his the guy's ear is cut off. You know, um, I wonder. And I wonder if you wonder if you already know, like how much um, digging the parents do, like about these movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Or does it like say on the permission slip, this is rated R and um, it's directed by this It does director. say they're rated R. Uh, it, okay. And it advises them to um, hit, like go to imdb.com and look at the parent guide for uh, any of the R-rated movies they're not familiar with. <gasps> Um, oh, cool. Okay. Uh, inc- you know, encouraging them to do the research. Uh, but uh, honestly, because it's a film class, most of the parents are, um, you know, aware that film is a, a diverse art, and so there's all sorts of content. And this year, I had a an option to, um, parents could check that, like, because sometimes I I have a very comprehensive list of movies that they get, and, um. I still will end up coming up with a new movie or a movie will come out that I'm like, oh my God, we have to watch this movie right now. And if it's R, I have to send a permission slip home. And um, some parents get kind of irritated with me throughout the year because I'll end up having to sign like three or four additional permission slips. So this year I had a clause in the permission slip they could sign where I could show whatever I want. And three of my five classes, all every kid's parents said I could show whatever. And they're not. They trust my judgment and that whatever I'm showing has artistic merit and I wouldn't just show them that's uh, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, and a, a lot of those kids I've had for at least a year already, so the parents have already come to trust me. And, again, you know, they're they're in high school. They are – some of them are already 18 or, or 17 turning 18, you know. So it's it's not um, – they're watching stuff now. And with the internet, too, they're watching movies. You know, because, like, before when we were kids, our parents had to get us the movies, basically, you know, or we had to watch them at a friend's house or something. <laughs> But now with the internet yeah. and illegal piracy, kids watch whatever they want and no one even knows, you know. So I think that's, I, I, I see that reflected in the permission slips and stuff. I have something that's funny and semi-related. Um, so you remember when we were younger and CDs had like the parental advisory stickers mm-hmm. and you, you could peel them off and then they started printing them on the CD booklets and... Well, I don't really see that anymore, but the other day, Bill and I went, and I helped him find one of my presents, and he was at the checkout, and he's, like, handing the record to the guy, and it had a parental advisory sticker on it, or it was, like, actually printed on the record, but I just think that's so funny, because how have you seen that in forever? Yeah, I mean, like, because now, I guess, most music, we consume digital, and it just has, like, explicit in parentheses next to it. But Word. there's no real way to stop someone from streaming that, I guess. I, I, you like, can set up a parent account um, for, like, if you have Spotify oh. or whatever. You, there are parental controls. Um, and I, I think Taylor, when I first set up her Pandora a few years back, I had it set to uh, parental controls. And it, would just, it wouldn't play um, unedited Ex- versions. It would only play the clean versions mm. of songs. So some songs probably would, could not be played. And, of course, that's the catch because some songs don't qualify for a clean version, so, like, those songs, you know what I mean? Like, it's not bad enough that it would have been explicit, so, like, there's things that <laughs> slip through or whatever, but, again, not usually a concern I have, but we were, like, worried about her deciding she wanted to be, like, an Eminem fan or something, you know? Gangsta, gangsta yeah. Where it's not just the language, it's, like, the content that they're discussing is not appropriate versus, you know, there's, a, like, ha- hearing a bad word of theirs, whatever, but, like, hearing, like, descriptive details of a sexual act is a whole other ball game so um let's move into uh home video release. <laughs> sorry no no it's fine um home video release coming out on twelve twelve. uh we'll start with the film detroit with uh, which that i saw uh back in <gasps> august see that um that is <sighs> Catherine bigelow's film uh stars john boyega anthony mackie um algie smith jacob Lattimore, chris chalk Mason Albin, um, there's a dude in here. Where's his name? Oh, I always forget the guy's name. 
Uh, where's he at? He plays the cop, and he's super important. Um, Amari? No, nope. There it is, Will Poulter. I couldn't remember his name. Um, Will Poulter, uh, Ben O'Toole, and Jack Rayner, uh, who is exciting to see because Jack Rayner was in Sing Street um, as the brother uh, to the lead character. And he was also in uh, Free Fire earlier this year. Um, I, oh, I really enjoyed uh, Detroit. I mean, enjoy is not the right word because it's a really tough movie to watch. Like, there's a lot of awful things that happen. And it's based on a true story um, from the 1967 Detroit riots. And a uh, very powerful film, though. Definitely timely in a lot of ways. And um, some people don't like how she structures it because... At some point in a lot of movies like this, we would end and you would get like title cards at the end that would say like how things played out in court. This one goes to court. Like we see the, the it becomes a procedural at the end and that's kind of a procedural. And that's actually uh, John Krasinski, I think, shows up as the lawyer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Jim from the, the, the I don't... office. Yeah. Yeah. Is he I'm... good in this? Yeah, I mean it's it's a little weird to see him. I hope I'm right. I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, it's a little weird to see him in that role. I guess um, it was weird to watch 13 Hours with him too, though, where he's more of an action star. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's but he he pulled it off great. But it's just you know, it's I, hard to yeah yeah I, when you've watched Jim make goofy faces, you just keep waiting for that to happen whenever he's on TV. Eye contact. <laughs> you oh, wait yeah. for him to look at you and just be like haha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm undercover for Dunder Mifflin, but um, yeah, uh, it was a really good movie though, really well made. Um, I definitely think it's one that's worth watching if you missed it in the theater. Um, and you did, right? You missed it in the theater. I did. I don't feel like it played very long here. I've noticed that not. lately. It it did not get along. It didn't do great in the theater. Um, it's again, it's a real tough subject matter, and uh, the cultural climate right now, it's tough. So that's not something everyone wants to dwell on for two and a half hours i think is what the runtime is if i'm not mistaken um dang i could be wrong but i've already gone wait yeah i'm trying to get to the next movies uh imdb and it's not loading up for some reason driving me crazy um it has a 78 metacritic oh yeah yeah it's it's a well-received film it's it's hard to argue she does use some stock footage and i think that bugs some people and there's some um some elements where like it uses like uh still pictures and stuff from the actual riots intercut with the um the actual actors and stuff so some people complain about that uh next movie is almost two and a half hours which is definitely a little too long and it's kingsman the golden circle um comes out on home video this tuesday and i gotta say i don't usually try to market things but target has a pretty cool uh collector's edition or is it a steelbook though it might be a steelbook (laughs) i'm not sure but it comes with uh kingsman I'm sorry. Um, wow, I just blanked on what the whiskey company is called. What's the whiskey company called? Oh, the Statesman. Dang it. The Statesman. Okay. It comes with uh, Statesman whiskey uh, cubes. Like those are the you put them in the freezer. The whiskey stones. I'm sorry, whiskey stones. Um, that you put them in the freezer and you put them in your whiskey instead of ice, so it doesn't water your whiskey down, but it chills it. Um, so it comes with Statesman uh, whiskey stones, which is really cool. And uh, it's the same price as their regular Blu-ray, so why not? Ooh. I might have to snag that. Um, Twenty doll hairs, and uh, it stars Taron Egerton, excuse me, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Channing Tatum, um, Edward Holcomb, I think is his name. It's the most important though. Um, who? 
Oh, Elton John. Elton John is in this movie, which could be a spoiler. <laughs> Julianne Moore. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I I enjoyed the movie. I I liked the first one more, but I did enjoy the Golden Circle. There's cool gadgets. There's some cool stuff. There's some. It's it's definitely too long. The two and a half hours seems really long for this movie, but um, I enjoyed it overall. And you did get to see this one, right? Yeah, I think maybe I don't remember. I feel like it might have been an IMAX, but I don't remember. Um, but I loved it. I it was a little. It was more memorable to me than the first one. And really? I I am an Elton John fan, so I kind of died. I'm sorry. I like the sorry plot anybody who doesn't know more in the first one, even though it's still ridiculous. <laughs> but Sam Jackson was uh, so funny as the villain in the first one. Um, <laughs> I like Julianne Moore as a villain. She was like ruthless. Yeah, she was. the The burger sequence was tough. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. I do. I did like the movie though. It does have, a, I think, a forty four on Metacritic, so not super Ew. well received. But again, it's two hours twenty minutes, so that hurts it. Um, Word. The next and final movie for uh, that we're going to discuss. There's some other stuff coming out, but I wasn't familiar with them and. Um, I figured we'd focus on the three big. This one is one I definitely want to watch. I haven't seen the second one yet. Um, I believe this is the third one. The Trip to Spain uh, stars Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Um, they go on a tour to Spain, and uh, basically they're like foodies of sorts. They're playing themselves, but they are playing characters, so it's not a documentary. Oh. It is a fictional film, um, but they are playing Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Uh, this is the third trip that they've taken. Um, the first one's just called The Trip. I believe the other one is Trip to Rome or Trip to Italy. Italy. And then Trip to Spain. And I saw The Trip uh, during Hurricane Irma, actually. I had downloaded it on my iPad, and I watched it when we had no power, and I still found it super awesome. Um, it's very, very funny. I've become kind of a Steve Coogan fan. We just saw Steve Coogan in Coffee and Cigarettes um, a couple weeks back. He was with uh, Alfred Molina. In, in that one, and I love he cracks me up, um, and that's kind of honestly the his performance in Coffee and Cigarettes is very reminiscent of how he is in the trip. Um, it's it's super great. Uh, so I want to check this one out. I'm hoping it's going to end up on Netflix, but because um, that's where I watched the first one, uh, just the trip. But um, of the three, Corey, which what are you most excited to see? Oh, Detroit, hands down. I have seen the other two, so I get to say the the trip to Spain and not feel guilty about it. So um, I'm excited to see the trip to Spain. I really hope I get to uh, check it out sooner than later. I don't know if I need to see trip to Italy first or not. I don't. I wouldn't imagine because it doesn't it's not, sound like it. Yeah, it's not super plot driven, so I don't think I would need to. But um, there there might be some references or something that I won't get, but I'm sure it'll still be funny. So. Um, Plus, you get to be kind of jealous of, like, these restaurants that they go to because they do go to, like, these really fancy restaurants. I don't – I really want to go to Italy. Like, oh, I too. really do. So bad. I want to go on a gondola ride. I have wanted to go to Italy ever since I, I saw the ocean. Hudson Hawk when I was a wee boy. <laughs> this movie it doesn't die. It will no. not die. It, it's, it's <laughs> Cappuccino. The, Sad truth, though. It genuinely was – I think sparked my interest in Rome was that because that, the second half of the movie is in Rome. Um, all right, we're going to theatrical releases for twelve fifteen, and we're going to start with the most anticipated movie probably of the year, and it's about a, a young hero trying to find his way. Um, oh, I screwed up because I said he. Uh, it's Ferdinand. 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 Woo. Uh. Ferdinand. Uh, it's an animated movie about a bull, 
the Bull is pl- voiced by John Cena. Um, the voice cast in this movie is pretty good. We have Kate McKinnon, David Tennant, Bobby Cannavale, um, as I already mentioned, John Cena, Gina Rodriguez, David Diggs, who was just in, I think, Wonder, if I'm not mistaken, Miguel Angel Silvestri, I'm definitely mispronouncing that, Gabriel Iglesias, Anthony Anderson, um, just pretty pretty big cast. There's a bunch of other people here that I'm sure are famous voice actors or something. Um, I think this is based on a book as well, like a children's book, yeah, uh, based on a book by Monroe Leaf, um, directed by Carlos Salad Saldana. I I don't I'm not familiar with this story. Um, I probably won't see this because this is definitely meant for a younger audience than my daughter. So I don't think she's interested in it, and I don't want to be the creepy guy at the kid movie. Um, but it doesn't look bad. I've seen the trailers. I'm not super interested in it, but um, it, it looks like it'll probably be an entertaining counter movie if you can't make it to the other movie. Before we talk about that one, Corey, do you have any comments on Ferdinand? 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 No. I um, probably won't see this one. I don't even think I've seen a trailer for it. Uh, I've seen it a lot. In fact, our Regal Cinema is playing it like in one of the special trailers where they have it like integrated into uh, the oh. marketing, if I'm not mistaken. But, <laughs> but no, this next movie is legitimately... My most anticipated movie, I think, I of the year. I know what's happening now. Um, well, Baby Driver was my most anticipated in Dunkirk, but this is definitely up there, and it's probably taken over because as it's gotten closer, I've gotten more and more and more and more excited, and that is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, I don't. If you listen to top five movies, you know all three of us are kind of Star Wars nerds. Um, Mike and I, I think, exceed Corey a little in terms of you the do. nerd. But, you um, do. I am. I've had my tickets since September, I think. Uh, Damn. I, as soon as boy. they went on sale, I bought my tickets because I am not missing the opening Thursday night premiere. My daughter and I are going Thursday night at seven p.m. Um, I've actually made. I think the first time I've ever bothered to make like a Facebook event for something um, and invited every one of my uh, like Facebook friends that live in the area to come see Star Wars. Um, a bunch that they're going to. I don't know if they're if they were smart and bought tickets or not. I hope they did. If they're listening to this, guys, I warned you when I Ooh. made the event to buy your tickets because um, it's probably going to sell out. You need to let John know where you guys need to like have that, you know, in the conversation. So whoever gets there first can take like a bunch of stuff and save the seat, so you can all <laughs> yes. sit together. Uh, take all the straws and napkins um, and just <laughs> line them up and down. You can't sit here. No. <laughs> you just you put a, a popcorn kernel on each napkin. Uh, and that implies somebody is eating. Uh, they'll be right there. Um, this movie is directed by Ryan Johnson, who uh, directed Brick that we just reviewed recently for this podcast. Um, I loved it. Corey didn't. He also directed Looper and I think The Brothers Bloom. Or is so hold jumping? on. Is Joseph Gordon-Levitt going to make a surprise appearance in this movie? Uh, you know what? I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a stormtrooper, but... Um, I haven't heard okay. anything, but we have Daisy Ridley. Tom Hardy is a stormtrooper, actually, supposedly. Um, he's he's second build on IMDb, and it even lists stormtrooper rumored. So I don't understand what IMDb is doing with that. But um, Adam Driver, Mark Mark, oh god, I almost said Mark Wahlberg, Mark Hamill, Mark. Dom Gleason, Carrie Fisher's last movie. Oh, it makes me tear Hello? up. Oh my god, uh, right here, build Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Billy Lord, oh. Lieutenant Connix, uh, Andy Serkis, the Supreme Leader Snoke, o- Oscar Isaac, Gwendolyn Christie, Benicio Del Toro, uh, 
Justin Thoreau is listed as rumor. Uh, Laura Dern is confirmed. John Boyega. Um, Lupti Nyanga, who's Maz, is back. Oh, awesome work. Davis is in this movie. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. Although not all the time. Someone else, I think, is in the suit more than he is, uh, if I remember correctly. Kelly Marie Tran, who is a new character named Rose. Um, Anthony Daniels, of course, reprising C-3PO. Um, looks like we got Gareth Edwards is in this movie, and Gareth Edwards was the director of Rogue uh, Rogue One. Um, Jimmy V is R2-D2. I mean, guys, it's Star Wars. Everyone has that has seen this movie so far has praised it. Um, I cannot wait. Uh, the trailers look fantastic. We get more Luke. We get more Rey. We get more Kylo. I like Kylo. A lot of people were hating on him, but I... I'm a fan of Adam Driver and his hipsterness. Um, Sometimes. Most times. He's great in Francis Ha, too. But, um, I can't wait for this movie. Corey, what are your thoughts on Star Wars The Last Jedi? So, um, it's our family tradition since the last Star Wars to go see Star Wars on Christmas Day. Because ah. our family goes to Florida. And we're here alone oh. on Christmas. But we celebrate on Christmas Eve, so I'm not trying to like throw them under the bus. But... I was I was getting a little sad because I feel like Bill and I don't have Christmas traditions after watching stupid Frozen before Coco, and then <laughs> we kind of do. So I just need more Star Wars movies, please, to come out around Christmas. Well, that's they're ruining that next year because Han Solo is slated for I think March or April. So um, the <sighs> I'm sorry, it's just called Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, it's slated for like early spring this time, and um, I. Th- think they've already announced episode nine's release date but i don't remember if it was december or not but um i can't wait i'm sure many of you can't uh either um lots going on next week i'm very excited we have the the top five movies with the director from better watch out star wars comes out um i only have like a week left before christmas vacation like everything's just just happening um but speaking of christmas Corey, we watched the movie, The Polar Express. Um, before we get into our review and our even our basic review, let me go through the, the stats. Polar Express came out in 2004, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Stars a lot of people, but Tom Hanks doing like quadruple duty with voicing the narrator, the father character, the conductor, the hobo, Scrooge, and Santa Claus. Um, we have Leslie Zemeckis playing Sister Sarah and Mother voicing, voicing I should say, Eddie Deason as know-it-all. Um, I mean, that's where it gets real complex because then we start getting into like the actual motion capture actors who are not the same people who voice the characters, and then you have different levels who do voices. Like it is, it is crazy the amount of people that worked on this movie. Um, Josh Hutcherson is the uh, body double, if you will, I guess, for the uh, hero boy. He's the motion capture actor. Um, Ashley Holloway for Sister Sarah. Jimmy Jacks Pinchick is know-it-all. Chantel Valdivizio is the hero girl. Um, So lots of, uh, obviously they didn't go for names so much, um, but it's based on the book, Chris Van Allsburg's book, uh, The Polar Express, and um, it has a 61 on Metacritic, a 6.6 user rating from IMDb, and um, Corey... I'd like to hear your first impressions before we get into spoilers and you like details. What were your thoughts on the Polar Express? Mm. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I 
Uh, I think I liked it a little more towards the ending. And also, I watched two movies that day, so... Um, I don't know. The music reminded me a lot of Beetlejuice. <laughs> really? Like the the score music, I assume, not the Christmas songs? Right. The oh. score. Sorry. I'm really bad about using those interchangeably, people. Um, I don't really know what to say. I I hope that I get more out of it as we talk about it. I did hear your favorite song. Oh, that's, that song's great. Um, did you... What, like, would you say that you would... Like, do you think this movie will be watched as a Christmas regular now, or you're not uh, sure yet? I liked it that I will probably rewatch it, but you know how I am. I don't think I, that I would watch this every year. Now, before we get specific into the Polar Express, um, are you a – like, I don't know if we've really talked. Are you a Christmas movie fan? Because you've missed some big ones. <laughs> I know. Um, Not – Really? Like, I'm trying to think, um, I, mm, I'm trying to think of ones that I watch regularly. Like, I love the old, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and... Not a movie. I know, it's from TV. Island of Misfit Toys. I like those a lot, but I don't even watch those regularly. Well, I mean, by regularly, you mean, like, annually Like, for every Christmas. Christmas. Got it. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are, I was talking to a student today whose parents uh, are Christmas fanatics, Similar to my wife, but um, said they start watching Hallmark movies in August. Ew. I'm, I'm guessing maybe that was an exaggeration because I don't think they – they do do Christmas in July on Hallmark. Okay. Um, so my, you know, my wife does hop in on that and watch some of those Christmas movies again during that time of year. And then, yes, this time of year they are excessive. But um, – see, I guess I, I really do embrace the Christmas movies. Um, my – my mom, who I have many, many issues with, um, Christmas was one thing, though, that I she definitely always tried to make magical. Um, and so, like, the season started, and there were just things that we did. And I guess that's my traditions that you mentioned a, a few minutes ago. Um, we I watched Christmas movies. That was a big part. Of, I mean, of course, well, me having traditions, it's going to be movie-related. That's my thing. Um, but I, I've find joy in a lot of Christmas films and there were some when I was younger that I found boring that I love now but um this one was not one of those because it came out 2004 or 2005 and I was um you know in at that age where it was kind of like it was 2004 I was wrong um I'm graduating college I am kind of not into cartoons or whatever and um I never read the book so I had no real affiliation to it never it you know people were praising it or whatever and I was, I was late to the party but i i have grown to like this movie um i've heard some interesting complaints about the look of the movie uh did you have issues with the way the film looked okay i liked a lot of okay the people looked weird mm -hmm. they like borderline creepy most of the time actually like when hero boy gets on the train and hero girls like staring at him Super creepy. Now, I wonder if it's my years of playing, like, PlayStation 1, like, uh, graphic video games, that this is just, it just feels familiar to me. Like, the bad, like, 
the eyes looking dead and stuff. Because old school video games, when we were kids, we thought they looked amazing. Because I mean, we're I'm not talking like Mario. I'm talking when they Crash first started Baby going Kill. into 3D. Yeah, like Tomb Raider is one of my favorite examples because at the time that game looked amazing, and when you look at it now, it's so bad. And you're like, wow, I thought that looked good. And um, there were wrestling games on the N64 that I remember thinking, this looks so real. And now you're like, this looks awful. Like, they're blocky. Like, they're, they're walking squares. And um, it's one of those things that uh, I think maybe being a gamer that this movie has never bothered me that way. Because um, I hear a lot of other, f- like, film podcasts and stuff will point out that the, they look dead and, like, blah, 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 looks so weird. And I've never felt that. But motion capture started... In video games, like Mortal Kombat One was a complete motion capture game, um, or they they may have used uh, more of a because it was like actual people in that like fighting, um, as in you would see them like these like video clips cut out in you know, like green screen essentially. I think maybe the second game was when motion capture started. And I, I grew up playing video games, like video games. I still play video games. Before we were recording, I was playing Destiny Two. I am a gamer. Um, by trade, that's what I've always not by trade. It's a hobby that I've never let go, and um, I think that maybe affects why I don't have the the issue with this is because I've I've seen bad graphics and it's okay. Like I still enjoy the the overall like fun of the movie. Now there are some things that I will point out in spoilers um, that do like weigh wear on me, but. Um, it has become like a family tradition. We watch this. This is one of like six movies that everybody in my my family watches. Which my my wife, daughter, and I all sit and we'll watch together. And that's how I watch this one this time. Um, in fact, we we tried to do it up. My wife had bought a, a roll of the pre made sugar cookie dough. And listen, listen to our night. Okay, so we we get the cookies, and my wife and apparently my daughter do not read directions very well. <laughs> um, they're they're more of like let's wing it kind of thing, and so they've got the cookie dough out of the package, and they're slicing it, okay. like slicing it in probably a quarter inch thick slices. Okay. So and they're putting that on on the cookie sheet, right? Um, okay. And we have there it's way too big, is what I'm saying. Like if we had put them in the oven as is, it would have just been a sheet of sugar cookie, because um, they would have all melted into each other as it cooked. Um, but so we're not putting it directly on the cookie sheet. We're putting it on parchment paper, right? Okay. And so we do two sheets, uh, a cookie sheet and a pizza sheet because we only have one cookie sheet. And we put them in the oven. And a few moments later, out of our left burner on the oven, smoke is coming out. Oh, no. And uh. I'm like, why is it smoking like that? And then it clicks. We were out of parchment paper. That was wax paper that we put in the oven. And that's not oh, Okay. <laughs> Luckily, it had only been in there for a few moments, but it was already starting to smoke because ah. wax paper doesn't go in the oven, people. So um, it, we pulled it out quick enough where nothing – only the uh, the part that was, like, hanging over had really started to melt. But we were able to scrape off the uh, cookie dough. Probably risky. I don't I'm – I'm still alive, so apparently we're fine. Um, and my wife gets this idea to, like, put it into a baking – like, a casserole dish. And put the rest of the sugar cookie, and we'll make like a sugar cookie casserole. Just a big, fat, giant sugar cookie, essentially, is what we're doing here. Um, which is what, it actually ends up working. Like, I, I, I do some searching, and we're not the first person to ever just smash cookie dough into a casserole dish and bake it. 
So we make basically like a cake cookie, you know, like you can get from stores and whatnot. So I pull it out of the oven. It, the toothpick test works. It looks like it's cooked all the way through. So I walk away from it. I, I'm not paying attention. I'm watching the movie because the movie's on while this is all happening too. Um, and she goes to take the whole cookie out of the pan within five minutes of it being out of the oven. So what do you think happens to the cookie cake thing, it Corey? fell apart. It falls apart instantly. And of course, she crumbles. She's getting upset because she's already upset about the wax paper. And now she's upset about this. And I'm like, it's okay. I got this. Uh, you know, I'm in Christmas mode. So I'm not, nothing's going to ruin the movie and our family evening. Nothing's going to break my so stride. I break out three <laughs> glasses and I make a sugar cookie parfait with um, the sugar cookie. A little bit of uh, icing that we were going to put on the cookies, but now that's pointless. A little bit of green sugar sprinkles, some more sugar cookie, some Cool Whip, little green sprinkles. And, you know, so we end up with this, like, way too much sugar cookie, by the way. Way too much sugar cookie. Um, But sugar cookie parfaits with, what are we going to drink? What are we going to wash it down? No. During Polar Express, Corey? Eggnog. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Um. So my wife makes uh, very good instant hot chocolate because she goes all out with the milk. She doesn't use that water crap like I would have done if I made the hot chocolate. Ah! Um, and I'll tell you what, milk and hot chocolate makes all the difference. It is way better with milk. But um, so that we we ate uh, way too much sugar and <laughs> uh, watched Polar Express as a family <laughs> for our, I don't know how many times we've seen this movie at this point, but. Um, I still enjoy it. I, I There are parts in the film that I think drag it to a halt or feel unnecessary. And actually, I heard something on Battleship Pretension today um, kind of that I never thought about, but it it now kind of bugs me. And we'll talk about that in spoilers as well. So um, I still like the movie. I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I definitely, um, for Christmas, I'm going to watch it every year. I don't see it going away. Um, there's enough in the movie. Um, I do find this one to be a on and off watch where like I, I watch the parts that I want to watch and then I kind of zone into whatever else I want to do until the next part comes on that I want to watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially having like, seen this so many times. There's there's moments that I don't care about, so I'll get on my phone or I'll get on my iPad or whatever. Um, but then uh, when those scenes come on that I like, I will you know put my device down and really watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I see this as like a background kind of movie for you. At this point, definitely, yeah, uh, and but one that I enjoy. Like I will come, I will go into the the room to watch the movie with the family. Um, stop whatever, like you know, I, I can't do any, everything while watching this movie, but I I will I will zone out for moments and be okay with that. And I I would say that's true for most annual Christmas films, um, because I've seen them so many times. But there are some that I I just get wrapped up in. Like I, I will admit, Elf, I I end up watching. I just I, Will Ferrell cracks me up in that movie so much. I, it doesn't matter when it's on. Um, I, I will end up paying attention to it. Um, let's get into spoilers, Corey. Okay, guys. If you haven't seen Polar Express and you don't want us to spoil this for you, you might want to stop, go watch it, and then come back and give us a listen. Otherwise, we'll speed ahead because we'll be talking about this movie in great detail. So where do you want to start, Corey? <sighs> hmm. Maybe with the part that I didn't believe in Santa anymore after second grade. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Oh, um, Ouch. Yeah. I walked out to the living room, and they were filling the stockings and putting the Christmas present under the tree. I was supposed to be sleeping, but anyways. 
Um, I felt like kind of, I really like Tom Hanks, but it, ugh, I don't know. It, I felt like it was, he was doing too much in this movie. What do you mean by too much? Like doing too many roles or being too big? Uh, too many roles. I felt like he was the only voice we heard. And I love Tom Hanks. I just felt like there needed to be... Hmm. I don't know. But is it just supposed to be like... I don't know. Like, I could understand if it's like just Santa taking up, you know, being these other roles and stuff. And I could understand, like, the hobo that was on the train just being Santa. Well, but then there's a conductor. There's more. There's a lot of actually really interesting theories out there about it. Um, I, I read them a couple of years ago. I didn't read them specifically for this episode. But um, I know one theory was the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Um, that you have Father Christmas. Uh, you have the Holy Ghost being the hobo. Who, as he clearly has some ghost-like abilities. Or he vanishes. You know, he uh, shows up when it's necessary. Um and and then the conductor being the uh, the son, but I don't remember the reasoning for that. Um, but there's a lot of interesting interpretations of why Tom Hanks is all of those people essentially. Um, that they are you know more um, than what you would expect, I guess. I'm gonna see if I can find like some of the thoughts, but um, I definitely I I never thought any issues with Tom Hanks because I do love him like you said um and I I don't know I it feels like he's having fun in this movie for the most part like I really like the conductor character a whole lot um because he's he's so intimidating and he then, seems like a hard ass but, but then, then he's, he's disarming right like he'll like yeah do something and then he'll just smile like uh did he not get any hot chocolate well let's bring him one you know like it's so um I don't know I enjoy or, that a lot when she loses her ticket mm-hmm yeah, and we think he's like gonna throw her off the train because of the know-it-all kid who's obnoxious as all get out. <gasps> he did a good job ex- capturing he, that. He's supposed to be that exactly. He, I don't like him, but we're not really supposed to like him. He's supposed to learn that lesson about humility, um, and uh, it, it's you know I, I like a lot about that. Um, I really enjoy uh, the hot chocolate song though, which you brought up. Um, before at least alluded to i i don't know why i love that song i think it's great um it's fun and i i like hot chocolate to be honest you know and it's i'm i prefer coffee i'm a coffee drinker uh a lot but i do like a, a hot chocolate now and again i like am serious about hot chocolate like i I use sugar and milk and vanilla and hershey's cocoa powder I'm a little disappointed that I don't have singing waiters bringing in my hot chocolate. Yeah. But... Oh man, and and that hot chocolate looks like like it's just literally melted chocolate with some milk mixed into it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Here, have some diabetes. Yeah, that's a it's a, it's liquid diabetes. Um, it is. Uh, but it's a fun song to me, and um, I'm gonna we jump around a lot on this podcast, listeners. If you haven't heard this before. Maybe you decided to to jump in on this Polar Express episode because you're a big fan of the movie or something. Um, we don't do a plot by plot breakdown, but um, I want to jump towards uh, the end and why I I cry every freaking time I watch the end of this movie. Um, I I don't believe in Santa. I, I wish 
I desperately wish he was real. Not because of presence. Because I want magic to be real. Like, I, I do. Um, I, I'm, that's also why I love superhero movies. I want superhero powers. Like, not just for myself. And, and I know there's horrible repercussions of having them. You see them, especially if you watch a DC movie, the world is basically decimated by the people with the powers. But I just think it's so much more interesting than us not having that ability, right? So I have always been um, one who wants those things to be real, even like with ghosts. Like I don't believe in ghosts. But I, I don't either. I wish they were real because it's more interesting <laughs> than the world. And again, not necessarily like the evil ones and things like that. Just like, you know, the idea of like the friendly ghosts, the Caspers and whatever. And um, even, you know, like the one I, I want Santa to exist because it would be so much more magical and special. And when he, the kid says, um, you know, the bell and that his sister eventually stopped hearing it. And uh, even just repeating the lines, I'm about to tear up. I love that message of the film, especially because you, if if you bring this to a kid at a young age, you maybe can stretch the, the belief in Santa for a few more years, you know? Um, and my, my daughter, I, I don't know how long it's been. It's been at least two years that Santa's not been a thing. Um, and I don't remember exactly how that came to be. Um, but I could tell she was doubting and I went ahead and we had the conversation and, um, there's some benefits to the kid not believing in Santa, but at the same time, especially this year, um, where she made like a very specific list and she knows we, she's getting the stuff and it's like, that's lame, you know, because she, I like surprises. Me too. And, and my wife's not great at doing the surprise thing. She is very much, um, like let's just tell her. And I'm like, no, you know, I like the buildup. I like seeing the look on her face when she doesn't expect something. And, um, that part of the movie really works for me. And I think that's what saves it more than any other scene in the film is the ending. Um, the message the movie is getting across. Now the reality is, and I've not read the book, but my understanding now is that the book is much shorter. And a lot of the, the film elements are contrived for the stretching it out and making some money theoretically making some money um i guess you could call it zemeckis wanted to make art or whatever but um and that was one of the things that was pointed out about ship pretension is that the kids lives are like constantly in danger and i don't know if that's necessary for a christmas movie you know <laughs> like you know what i mean i feel like the stakes are high yeah, you know? they're real high and that's <laughs> yeah like I, I want to know, because we only get to see this one time of the Polar Express, right? But it's yeah. implied that this happens every year. Yeah. Have they ever lost a kid? Like, or is it always this awful? Like, are, are the tracks always frozen over and then, like, sliding around like ice skates? Like, how yeah. is this the anomaly of the of this train or is this the norm? Like, that's, I don't well, know. Well, you made it out alive. You better believe. Like, you, you know, you have no choice now. Um, I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, how do people get chosen to be on the Polar Express? Another good question. I mean, you you could think it's always doubters, but the only one who seems to completely doubt the existence mm -hmm. of Santa is our hero boy. Um, then you have the kid have who... What's that? Did they have named him? It seemed like the only kid that had a name was Billy, and then why does only Billy get a name? 
I don't know. And Billy's such a sweet kid, though. And his song that he sings with the hero girl um, is great, and my wife really loves that song, but I, I also really like it. It's so sweet. And it, the other thing with Billy, he believes, but it seems like he's never gotten a present from Santa, um, which is, like, really sad. And, like, you see that he lives, like, on the other side of the tracks, and that's that's sad. Um Hero Girl is great, but she, and she's like the true believer in my opinion. Like she's the one who's like doesn't matter. She believes a hundred percent. Know it all is obnoxious, and then the rest of the kids. You don't really. There's nothing. There's no reason for them to be there other than to give you the idea that they pick up more than just a couple. Um, but like I, I love uh, this movie was in 3D also, and that should be noted. There's a few scenes that are very blatantly made for the 3D, like the roller coaster type train ride. When uh, okay. they're tied to the front of the train. Um, yes. Yeah. And they, um, go ahead. Uh, the angle that they they frame that where we're looking over Tom Hanks's conductor's character's shoulder at the that you know as we're going up and down the hill. That's clearly a a three D effect and why it's in the movie. Um, so watching it two D is not not that thrilling, and it's it feels like the opening of the regal cinemas where they have the roller coaster ride and it's not really that cool but it's still like there. five four yeah. yeah um i loved the scene where it starts out what are those things called like when you go to the bank and you like send it through the tube I, they look like they were writing in one of those yes uh, it was like shooting that's, i forget what they're at called santa's workshop it's the um they, they are i think the word tube is in them um I can't think of it now either, to be honest. But uh, I know exactly what you're talking about the um, the teleporting type tubes, the air tubes, the vacuum Let's tubes. Push. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they get in the little container and they get sucked. Uh, yeah, and that's at Santa's workshop. Um, I want that to be a ride, and then they end up going down a slide. It looks pretty wild. Yes, another 3D contrivance. Um, um, I loved. When he was punching out their tickets, though, and handing them back. Yeah. Yep. It was like, she's like, lead. And he's like, lead. I'll follow you anywhere, yeah. ma'am or little lady. And I'm like, oh. Yep. And then the kid learn and the guy, the, what does that mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and there's like some humility. And that caught on real quick with him, though. It did. It did. And it, it, it sunk in. Um a couple of times, because one of the things that I've always noticed, and it's always bugged me, the one of the elves tells the kid he's not supposed to be there. But I never know if he means he's not supposed to be in Santa's bag, or if he's if the know-it-all kid wasn't supposed to be on the train. Um, and that's the vibe that I've always got from it, the way he says it, because he says, come on, and he's like, man, nah, 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 and the elf's like, yeah, you're not even supposed to be here, and sweeps his legs out from under him and slides him down, or whatever. And... Um, I don't like the voices of the elves, by the way. They they seem kind of mean to be working for Santa. They they kind of do. Um, and then I uh, and then the overly Jewish elf, like where he's like Vashugana or whatever the word is. Um, it's like what? Why? Like why they make that elf Jewish? Like, I, I mean, you know, one Jewish people don't celebrate Christmas; they celebrate Hanukkah. But two, like why like he's an elf like what are you going for here uh movie but um and then uh the scene with the kid i didn't do it i didn't do it. like i like that scene or whatever but 
um, I really want to know your take on the the magical elf that is Aerosmith. Um, so... <laughs> I was like, is that I... it's Steven Tyler at the end? I was like, what is this? Yes. <laughs> no one told me that Aerosmith shows up at the end. Yeah, not <laughs> not my favorite moment in the movie. <laughs> what after they play like after they play Frank Sinatra, right? Wasn't that playing? I'm pretty oh, sure that was Frank Sinatra. No they're playing some part been. of the movie, and then. Then it goes to <laughs> like sitting on top of the world. I think is the song that, that Steven Tyler is singing. I did not care uh, much for that. Uh, what were your thoughts of of that uh, little cameo? <laughs> I thought that was a little strange. Um, totally. Mm. It was a little weird. It seemed out of place. They didn't seem like the kind of band that should have been at the end of Polar Express or yeah. like musician i don't even know if it's a whole band yeah i um i didn't care much for that um i like um i like the hot chocolate scene a lot i i like the scene where he's climbing on the train um and meets the hobo um i i actually like the conduct the not the conductors well i guess they are the conductors i've been calling tom hanks a conductor and that's not what his job is is it no, he's the like ticket taker. Ticket taker, yeah. I don't know what that's called, but um, the conductors because they're they're so weird. Like, and they lose the pin for the break. Like, I like that whole scene, even though it's very crazy. And I'm sure that part's probably not in the book, but um, that scene though did make me think of a very funny dad joke. I think it's very funny. Um, oh. so Corey, yeah, what does a dead reindeer say? Caribou. Okay, guys. Let that one sink Mike. in. Because caribou and reindeer are the same. So it's caribou. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> and his dad joke was lost on everyone. No, I'm kidding. I totally know what you so mean. For other dads. Um. So. Yeah. I, uh. I overall like the film. Um, I love the hot chocolate sequence, as I mentioned. I love the gift, and I, I really do like Hanks as Santa. I think the Santa's intimidating, which I've always found Santa to be slightly intimidating, um, but also very like endearing and and caring. Um, I, I love uh, I love I love the scene when Santa shows up and he hears the bell for the first time. Um, it's and I love the symbolism of the bell, like that he can't hear it because he doesn't believe, like. It's so great. Um, but it's super weird because so um, at the end where his parents like pick it up and they're like, oh, it's broken. And they're like moving it around. But still, Hero Boy can't hear it, even though they're like moving it around. I had that issue. I I had not noticed that previously. I noticed that this viewing, actually. Um, I was like, it's weird that he, it's not making a sound that they can hear. Like the parents, I, I, I'm getting. I'm not sure if maybe in the editing they switched the audio to the adult hearing, and so maybe the kids could hear it, but we couldn't hear it because we were hearing what the adults could hear. Um, but they, their faces didn't look like they could hear it either. You know what I mean? Like, so I think you're right, um, and, but I do think that's what they were going for is they cut the sound so that we would get the adults don't hear it, but the kids do because the kids were true believers or whatever. But um, I still like. I still like the idea of it though, like this way of showing um, 
because and do you do you remember like you you're witnessing that must have been a little different, but I remember doubting for a while, probably for a year or more. I doubted if there was Santa, but I wanted to believe, and that's what this kid is going through in the movie. Is he's you know he doubts Santa. He he knows he's been picked on probably for still believing, but he wants it to be true because it's such a wonderful lie. And it's hard to not call it a lie. It's a, it's a blatant lie. There is no reason for us to ever tell a kid that Santa's real. There, It doesn't benefit anything except the magic that it brings. And that's why I think it's a wonderful lie. Um, there's something about the time when you believed in Santa is probably the happiest about Christmas. And same being a father... Um, for those years, that was it made Christmas magical again because you want you you have to do so much to create it. And I I will share um, as I mentioned, my mom. I, I'm not close with my mom, and it, odds are she's listening to this and probably is happy that I'm talking positive for a change. But reality is, when it came to Christmas, she did above and beyond most times. And we were poor when I was younger, so I there was a Christmas where my gifts were He-Man erasers, like. 3D erasers that were like the He-Man figures, but I, we could, that was all my mom could afford. But I loved it. I was super young, and I, you know, they were He-Man. I didn't care that they were erasers. Um, but one year, uh, her friend had gone like uh, skiing or something, right? And <laughs> I don't, I still don't actually know how this happened, but somehow she got snow in Florida, enough snow. That when I woke up, and it wasn't even Christmas morning, I don't think. I think this was, she used to do this thing where uh, we would put my letter to Santa in the mailbox. And um, there would be a present in the mailbox the next morning. <gasps> That's for, fun. With an, like the elf picked up the letter and dropped the toy off as like a, here, we got your list. Thank you. And um, I think there was a similar thing for that where one morning I, I woke up the next morning and there were Santa boot prints in snow on our carpet. And I, you know, I've never forgot that as a kid because I was like, oh, my God, this proves that he was here because how could there be snow in Florida um, and in the shape of a giant boot? And I still don't really know how she did it, but I'll, I'll never forget that. And so as a parent, I didn't do anything. I don't think that extravagant, but I definitely went above and beyond to make sure my kid thought Santa was real. Um, and our favorite moment, my wife and, and my both uh, one year, she got a Dora Explorer, Dora the Explorer uh, kitchen. Like, it was, like, a themed kitchen set. Like, you know, the little stove and everything. Oh, I loved those. And um, that we couldn't wrap that because it was so big. So we just had it, like, out. And then her other presents were, like, around it. And we we, we hear her get up and we're waiting. You know, we're, like, we're awake, but we're not getting out of bed until she comes to get us. And we hear her walk, walk into the living room and, Santa brought me a Dora stove. And it was it's just been one of our favorite moments because she was so excited and we were so excited that we were able to get that pre- present for her because, you know, teaching doesn't make a lot of money. But we've always made sure that Christmas is I, – I, it's weird because it's like Christmas is a magic time, but we, we, we're we referring to, like, the presents that you get, which is part of what's wrong with Christmas, I guess, right? Like that we are so focused on the gifts and what we're giving versus um, what really represents. But um, I, I this movie does that for me. Um it it brings the magic about Christmas, and that's what makes it work. Uh, it has flaws, I think, with the narrative. There are some boring parts. It it's not that long, but it does feel long. It's a, it's an hour and forty minutes. 
I think you could trim 20 minutes off of this movie and it would be tighter. And it might be better if it was just an hour-long TV special than a feature-length film. Then we couldn't put it on for a movie club, though. That's true. Um, and I haven't read the book in a really long time. I feel like my grandma or my, one of my grandma's friends had this book. Because hmm. um, I remember like looking through it. But I was like reading... Um, wikipedia today <laughs> and apparently like like that whole caribou part isn't even in the book yeah that's what i i heard like, that this morning he made that up for and i mean it's kind of a cool scene you know but um i i agree like i started watching it last night and i had to finish it today and i didn't even know like how far into the movie i was because some of it was just like really long i i wonder how much is added because I could see Billy not being a part of it um, in the <laughs> book, and I could see most of the plot of like I don't know because the the main story is we have a, a kid who doesn't believe in Santa but wants to, and I don't know if half of what happens to him on the train affects that at all. Like him, you know, choosing because he's not a bad kid, but like that's like he chooses to go after the girl because he found her ticket and then he felt responsible and then. You know, like, he wants to help Billy, and it's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't make I, him believe in Santa. He's just a good kid. Like, I'm glad he's a good kid. Yeah. I want to root for him. But that's not the problem that he's trying to solve. Like, none of what happens in the movie is really ever solving the conflict the kid is having, which is until he gets to the North Pole, because that's what he needs. And the train matters. The train is how he's going to get there. It's his chance to to prove to himself or find whatever it is he needs to believe and ultimately i guess we see peer pressure because everyone else can hear the bells and he's mad because he can't and so he wills himself to believe but i i don't really think that that's how believing works no it's i don't think i was like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) so i believe yeah i think i think when you analyze this movie it it falls apart in a lot of ways and that's probably why it's not loved by all critics um and some critics talk again about the way it looks but there is to me the christmas spirit is present um there's enough fun elements to make it enjoyable um and the music uh josh groban's song for believe is very powerful i'm not necessarily a josh groban fan but the song is definitely memorable and it is it's inspiring and and touching uh, hot chocolate is fun. I, I'm more of a fun Christmas music person. I've realized, like, my favorite Christmas song is Feliz Navidad, um, because it's so <laughs> yes. tempo. It, it just gets. I wish I could send you some maracas. Yeah, you can't Christmas. sit still in that song. Like, I am like, yeah, I'm a Feliz Navidad. <laughs> and then um, I love the Straight No Chaser Christmas songs because most of them are up tempo, um, like Christmas Can Can. Love that song and. Uh, there's like three other songs that I love. Uh, Who spiked the eggnog from the Christmas uh, from the Straight No Chaser album? Like those are they're up tempo and they're fun and they're exciting. And then like my wife seems to love the, like the ballady Christmas songs that just make me want to kill myself. <laughs> I'm just like, why are they so sad? It's Christmas. I want Jingle Bell Rock. Oh, no. I don't want to you know. And I won't deny Hard Candy Christmas is a catchy song. <laughs> But it is a sad song, like the, what she's talking about. It's a good song, though, I'm John. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm saying it's very catchy and it's well written, but it's not uh, the tone that I want with my Christmas. Thank you. I much. feel like now I need to talk about my favorite Christmas. And one of my favorite Christmases is the Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. 
Christmas album my wife where they're dressed as Santa and Mrs. Claus on the front because they have a couple. Also, when I was a kid, I totally thought that Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers were in a relationship. Oh, yeah, totally. Why, why would you Maybe not? they were. I mean, the the duet album. Uh, I shared a couple of my personal traditions, not traditions, but uh, Christmases and then some for my daughter. Do you have any uh, Christmas memories that maybe this movie made you think about or, you know, connected with? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like my family really had a lot of traditions. Um... It doesn't have to be a tradition, just maybe like a moment, yeah. like a happy m- Christmas memory, or even what's the best Christmas present you ever got, that kind of thing, you know? What what you got? This, is Christmas just a, sh- a poop time for you? I almost, I almost dropped No, I... Why? I, I cast on this one. Um, I love Christmas. This year, I don't feel in the Christmas spirit, and it's making me very sad, and I don't know why. I, I kind of feel the same way, um... We did drive 30 minutes last night uh, to go see Christmas lights at a house in uh, Davenport. That um, is, go ahead. That the Star Wars. That one. is the Star Wars one. Um, it was on our uh, local news channel, and my wife saw it and was like, "We have to go find this house." And she did the research, and I, it was, I think, part of the channel because they they entered a contest to be like on the news, and it's it's I, the whole way I was I got I was trying not to be grumpy. But when I was like calculating my head that I was losing an hour of my night to go see one house, I was very like, "Oh my god, what are we doing? Why are we driving an hour, uh, half an hour there, half an hour back, to see this house?" And then we got there, and I was like, "Never mind, I take it all back because it's it's I so know well done." How much it cost them to buy all those decorations, and then I want to know how much their electricity bill is. Oh each day some of the decorations look i need homemade. numbers um like there, okay there is a uh i would say it's going for like a nutcracker look for chewbacca and c-3po in the front yard and mm-hmm. uh, underneath chewbacca is like four porgs that are made out of the same looking material and i don't see i don't think it likely they could have got porg merchandise out for christmas already i've not seen that anywhere it doesn't mean it doesn't exist maybe like a special order catalog but i think it's more likely this family made a lot of the stuff that was uh out there too um they had bb8 bb9 the r2d2 was definitely um, homemade the death star looked awesome on the on the ceiling there's two tie fighters up there it, it's insane and Holy they also heck. have star wars music playing um, not Star Wars. It's Star Wars Christmas music, which I can only assume is from the Christmas special that I've never seen. Um, that is like one of the most reviled things of Star Wars history. <laughs> but there is, Ew. without question, C three PO talking to R two about Christmas, and I'm like, oh my god, where did they get this song? Um, and it it's uh, it was so. so cool. I feel like these people should win like a round trip to go to like the film premiere in. California or wherever. Maybe it'll be in New York. Ryan Johnson, if you're listening to this podcast, this family in Davenport is huge Star Wars fans and they deserve a special treatment. Um, I saw Taylor's Snapchats of it and I wanted to see more. It looked pretty intense. We drove by three times. um, Or maybe, I guess, four times. uh, Luckily, their house was on a cul-de-sac, so we drove past you know, went around in the cul-de-sac, drove past again, and when we were on our way back, uh, other cars were coming to look at it, 
And so we got kind of rushed, so we circled back around and drove past again and then through the cul-de-sac and back again. Um, but it was it was totally worth it. That was really the only house that we saw. We also went to um, – there's a park in Haines City called uh, Lake Eva, and they mm-hmm. have some really great Christmas decorations up right now. We went and walked through the park, and you can kind of walk, like, next to and through the decorations, and it, it's gorgeous at night. Um, yeah, And that, that was the most Christmassy I've, I've felt – but it's it's partly with temperature, and I don't know. There's just there is something just seems off. Maybe it's the uh, the climate of the the world we're living in right now. It's just hard to be happy or merry. Also, I feel like Thanksgiving threw it off because it was so early this year too. It was really early. Yeah. Um, Bill and I are going to. Okay, so this is going to sound a little weird, but we have like a botanical garden that is on the grounds of the old Idaho Penitentiary, which does some pretty cool events. But um, the botanical garden is doing a uh, winter garden aglow. So we're going to go to that within probably the next week. But um, it's really, really cold here to be doing outside things. Yeah. But I think that'll be fun. It's going to be cold this weekend, but not, not as cold as it is up there. Well, let's wrap up our review of um, of uh, I forgot the name of the movie, Polar Express. Polar Express. Um, I I'm still gonna go. Um, I gotta go. Not quite golden. It's probably too high of a rating. Um, there are definitely problems with the plot, but I don't think you watch this movie for the plot. I think you watch it for the uh, the, the story. The, well, I mean, the message, the the, the Christmas message. spirit, the believing is important. And it's a it's a fan, movie that I definitely prefer to watch with my family. Um, not saying I haven't watched this when like it's on ABC Family or now it's Freeform or whatever. If it's on, like I'll I'm gonna watch it. But um, it's one that I know every year the family's gonna sit around and watch this movie, and that works for me. Um, I hope we get to do it when Taylor's, you know, 25 with her uh, 30 when she's 30 with her her baby, <laughs> um, and you know our grandkids and you know oh man i'm getting too emotional is that weird to say it is uh it, it kind of broke me a little bit but um you know <laughs> th- this is a movie that i i see as a cl- um it, it the message that the movie conveys about believing and the magic of christmas uh supersedes all of the negative negative elements about it um and you know maybe I will change my mind with time as the effects start to look worse and worse as new things keep coming out looking better and better. But uh, again, the message of the film is there, and again, there's enough fun. There's enough fun to get me through it, even through some of the boring parts. And um, uh, yeah, so not quite golden for me, Corey. I feel like we keep cho- choosing the same ratings. I feel like for Christmas movie, this is not quite golden, Pony Boy. Wow. I thought you would um, go decent watch, but I'm, I'm like a decent that. watch. Yeah, but um, I feel like this would appeal or be good for most families. Um, I can definitely see myself rewatching it, and we've both seen some very bad Christmas movies. Yes, yeah, it's, Hallmark. Now there is um, I don't, I wish I had the guy's name. The guy that was on the guest on Battleship Pretension this week um has a like a guide to Christmas movies like. Oh. There are many other books similar, but they're usually more uh, like vague with movies. He has a guide to Christmas movies, and he was talking about some that I've never heard of. And um, I think, well, we won't talk about every every month next year because next year uh, for Movie Club, every month is going to have a theme. Um, I altered next December's theme, 
Um, oh. Because I never thought about this until this guy was talking on Battleship Retention. But Alonzo Gerald? Is that his name? Wow, look at you. Um, I need to look up this book because I actually want to get a copy of this book. Because I, I thought, before I heard this podcast, I thought I'd uh, seen most of the Christmas movies that were worth seeing. And there's apparently a whole bunch that I've never even heard of. So I haven't seen. But oh. one thing that I never thought of. And this was a gap in my normal viewing history, but especially a gap in my Christmas viewing movie history. And that is um, what I'm calling next December. We're going to do Christmas Abroad. I saw that. Christmas foreign films. um, Because I never even thought about foreign films for Christmas. I've only seen American uh, Christmas movies. And of course there's other films from other countries because not just America believes in Christmas. So... I was like, oh, my God, I've never even thought to look for foreign films for Christmas. So next year, I'm hoping that you and I will find four uh, worthwhile foreign Christmas movies to watch for the month of December. Um, Oh, we'll find them. Oh, yes. And that book will be our guide. Um, But... That is our episode for the Polar Express. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at contact at BurkeReviews.com. Contact at BurkeReviews.com. You can uh, follow us on the social medias. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. Um, it's the season of giving, folks, and we are looking to uh, really raise up our Patreon. Um, you can go to BurkeReviews.com, and in the main navigation, there is a uh, button that says Support Us. If you click that, it'll take you to our Patreon page. Um, you can subscribe, whatever you feel worth doing. Uh, there are various rewards, you, uh, starting at $1. $1 gets your name put on our website as a supporter. $5 gets you a sticker. $10 um, gets, I don't remember anymore, but it's all on the Patreon page. Um, $25 gets you a t-shirt. 25 bucks gets you a t-shirt, and 100 bucks you get to be a guest on Top 5 Movies. So if you really want to be a guest on Top 5 Movies uh, and talk to Mike, Corey, and I, 100 bucks. Um, now that is a, I believe the Patreon model is monthly. Um, I don't know, how, I don't believe you're committed to a length of time though. So, um, yeah, if you want to help us uh, defer the cost of running the podcast, because right now I pay for all of this out of my own pocket. Um, Corey and Mike help when they can. And, you know, that's just running the website and the uh, podcast hosting. That's not counting buying movies so we can watch them and review them, which is more often what we end up having to do, uh, especially for Movie Club. Now, Corey and I are both collectors, so it's not something we wouldn't do. But there have been several movies that I've bought that I wouldn't have bought when I bought them. I would have rented if I had the option. Um, So. Uh, it definitely would help, and the big thing is we're looking to grow. We want to expand, and uh, to get writers to my site versus other sites, I need to be able to pay them, and I don't have the funding to do that. So Patreon is an opportunity for our the people who like what we do to help support us. Um, even if there's only a 100 of you, if all of you donate a dollar a month, um, I feel like those old commercials where, like, if for pennies a day you can save a kid – um, like for a dollar a month, you can listen to a podcast. You know, I understand uh, it's it's not something everyone wants to do. I do know that uh, Patreon is something a lot of podcasts are using. And so we're throwing our uh, name in the hat, so to speak. Um, that's out there. If you can support us, please do. If you like what we're doing on our podcast, we would love for you to go to iTunes and or Stitcher or Google Play and give us a rating. Uh, it helps other listeners find us. Um, 
we'll be back next week to talk about uh oh a movie that I love uh oh wait no I'm sorry next week is Home for the Holidays one that I, I don't know if I love because I haven't seen it yet um directed by Jodie Foster starring Holly Hunter Robert Downey Jr.'s in it um it's one that I've it's been on my radar for about two years and I've been wanting to get to it and I just haven't had the the chance and this year it is currently available on Amazon Prime I hope it doesn't go off of that before we get to watch it um and you have seen it you said right yeah, I, I have it on DVD. I think oh, I purchased you. it at like Big Lots or something when I still lived in Lake Wales. Yeah, man, you get some good movie deals at Big Lots. Um, I've heard so many good things about this movie, even though it has a 56 on Metacritic, Metacritic and a 6.6 uh, user score. I do think it is a Thanksgiving movie, though, which is you know why this month is holiday movies and not specifically Christmas movies for our theme. Um, this is one I've never seen, and I really want to add this to my watch list. Um, or watched list as in I've seen it already so uh, that's what we're going to be watching next week you can email us like we said earlier your thoughts on that film otherwise that's all for this episode Um, we will be back next week with our review of Home for the Holidays and our top 5 movie this week we're doing our top 5 movies to get us in the holiday spirit and Corey I'm going to tell you something I told Mike uh, in a private message because Mike Mike was stressing um, this list because he's not a big Christmas person. He's not really like into Christmas. So I told him um, that he could like whatever spirit means to him. Like if this time of year puts him in a bad mood, what movies do you watch to kind of get you in that mood? And the example that I gave him, which might end up on his list, I don't know, was let's say this time of year you hate going to the mall because everybody's a bunch of crazy people and blah blah blah. then day of the dead gets i was just about to say day of the dead right so yes uh, he liked that idea and i think that's the the approach he's going with is not necessarily putting him in the christmas spirit but the way his spirit is at this time of year and i kind of didn't extend that to you because i thought you were a big christmas person and apparently you're not so if you want to use that same logic uh go for it (laughs) i on the other hand am uh, i actually really want to be a Christmas person although again I'm not feeling it as much as I want to this year I am making even a more because of that it's it's doubling my efforts to get in the spirit I want desperately to feel that way you know I've got my Star Wars advent calendar um going in the live in the kitchen and I've already watched uh how the Grinch stole Christmas the Ron Howard version twice um and Polar Express uh, what I think I need, and I have not watched yet, are any of the old TV specials. And I have them all. I think I need to watch um, Charlie Brown, Rudolph, and Frosty. Um, and I think that might cure some of the uh, the missing feeling that I have right now. I think so. I love the Island of Mis- Misfits boys. It's because you can't. feel like a misfit, huh? Yes. It's the hipster in you. It's okay. My whole life. Oh, also, Boise has been, like... Apparently, it's taking away Portland's crown for being the, mo- the crown for being the most hipster, whatever. So, uh, good luck to me. <laughs> You'll be fine. Maybe, the, maybe the Portlandia people will start doing like boys. Gross! I hate that show. I know you do. And I've heard that people are really like that there, and I'm like, oh. Well, don't worry. Zoe, right. uh, Zoe Deschanel's I heard is moving to Boise, so um, I'm out. You'll be best friends, and. Uh, no, no. But that is our episode, folks. Sorry we, we rambled a little f- farther after that. Um, 
check out BurkeReviews.com. Follow us on social medias. Uh, Corey, thanks a lot. I'll see you uh, for top five movies. Yes. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>